Santos left Congress last week after he was expelled. He jumped on Cameo at 75 bucks a pop. And then it's now 500. Yes. How much money have you made? And are you going to surpass the amount of money you could have made in Congress in a whole year? I will have made more money in um, seven days than I would have made an entire year in Congress. He said on Sunday at 140 requests, making over $85,000. The number now looks like it's cleared $200,000 that he's made. The president of UPenn has resigned. If you're listening to the audio version, I'm putting quotes around this because she, quote, involuntarily resigned, but stays as a tenured member of the law school faculty. I think this just goes to show you how out of touch the um, higher ed elitist mindset is and where they stand versus the American people. I'm glad the donor class is standing up. Those who make million dollar gifts represent over 50% of most of these elite colleges' budgets, but they also need the young, the, the lower donors from the lower end to stand up and alumni to stand up. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. It is Monday. This is the Sean Spicer Show. We're well into December. We should be talking about like holiday stuff and gifts. And instead, Congress is here. They're coming back into Washington. They got four days. There's a big ticket item they got to get done, the National Defense Authorization Act. That's going to be a tough one to pull off. A lot of controversial issues tucked inside of it. We'll see. But the other big one is that there is a movement afoot to full, to officially launch an impeachment inquiry. This isn't an impeachment. It's not a vote. It's just to say move forward. Problem is for the Biden team is that they're less truthfulness, shall we say, regarding Hunter Biden's situation. He was indicted over the weekend on nine additional charges for failing to pay $1.4 million in taxes. I used to think that Democrats were against the rich not paying their taxes, but I guess, uh, well, it's different when you're the president's son and you're spending the money on prostitutes and drugs. But I digress. Anyway, a lot happening there and some statements that don't jive with the president. He said that his son had done nothing wrong, that his son was a great man, that he knew nothing of it. Well, that's clearly not the case and it's unraveling, which is why there's going to be a lot more going on. And then the president of UPenn has stepped down over the weekend voluntarily, if you buy that. Question is, is there more to come? We've got a great panel headed your way. Patrice Anwuka, she is here. She's the better half of the Larry O'Connor Show here on WMAL. Ashley Hayek, the executive director of America First Works, and former Congressman Doug Collins from Georgia. He is the host of the Doug Collins podcast. They're here with us. Let's get into it with them. All right, gang's here. Good to see you all. Doug, I'm going to start with you. Listen, I don't know where your allegiances fall these days. I know you started the Navy, you went over the Air Force. <laughs> But it was a tough, tough game coming down that last play for us. They were cheering for Navy on Saturday. Yeah, it was. I mean, but look, I've had one of those falls already where my University of Georgia also as well uh, oh, somehow yes. figured out. Yeah, that was, a, from, that, that, that was a little bit more epic of a Yeah, fall. thanks for bringing that up, Sean. I appreciate it. Um, well, you, you know, brought it, it up. It, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, just the, the memories of football here. But yeah, it's a, it was one of those things. My, my, my first allegiance, of course, with the Air Force, but then I did spend three years almost in the Navy. So yes, Navy, that would I preferred Navy beat Army, but yeah, good. Happen. All right. Well, at least that, that worked. Speaking of something else that fell over the weekend, the last debate uh, was officially sanctioned debate was last week, the News Nation debate. I was down there. We had a great time in Alabama. But the RNC announced that they're out of the debates, Patrice. This is it. Now, let me just make the case for everybody who's watching so you understand why I care about this. When I walked into the RNC in 2012, we had 22 debates. The RNC literally had to beg the state parties to attend debates 
Uh, and I remember we went up to Iowa. The, Matt Strawn was the chairman up there, uh, the Republican Party chair. Reince and I called. He was very gracious. He said, I'll take care of you. But the idea that we had to ask for tickets to go to debates, and then there were debates. One was on a Saturday. One was on a Sunday. The media ran all of them. They dictated the place, the schedule, the moderators. And I've told people the two most important things in any campaign are time and money. And if you're running around the country at the media's whim and direction to go debate when they say mm-hmm. and with whom they say, that's a problem. So we made it a, a mission at the RNC in 2015, 2016 to, for the first time in ever, either party control the debates. We gave them a predictable schedule. Mm-hmm. We didn't make them back to back. They knew where they were going, who they were going. And for the first time ever, we required that media organizations have a conservative moderator as part mm-hmm. of the debate. Okay, that's my case. When the RNC announced the other day they're getting out of it, what happened? CNN announced two debates. ABC announced a debate, Patrice. And the first thing that CNN wrote in their article was, this will no longer require us to have a conservative moderator. Patrice, what do you think, good or bad, that the RNC got out of this business? Absolutely terrible. I mean, yeah. the the CNN debate that's that's going to be the first one up in Iowa. I believe the state party has not is not going to be involved with it. So it's absolutely going to be an opportunity for uh, CNN to get some retribution. I'm sure they looked at NBC and how uh, Vivek Ramaswamy really tore into Kristen Welker, and so they're going to use it as an opportunity to hammer back at some of their um, some of the, the the Republican candidates who decide to show up. Honestly, though, at this point, I think most people know the differences between the candidates. I actually don't even think there's a reason to have any more debate at this point. All right. If you've been watching the show for a while, you know about my friend, Leo Grill. Leo is the founder of Delta Rescue. You can see all the work he's doing at deltarescue.org. But Leo's story with rescuing animals goes far back. He had rescued a Doberman that was very unhealthy, very undernourished. Leo brought it in and he named the dog Delta. And the thing is, it wasn't just out of thin air. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. And if you know anything about what Delta Rescue's done, I've told you, go to deltarescue.org, look at the videos, look at the work that they're doing. It's the largest no-kill sanctuary in the world. If you are an animal lover, you love what Delta Rescue's doing. Um, The thing about Delta Rescue is, I've told you before, all of the great work they do is because of the donations of people like me and you. Five bucks, ten dollars, a hundred, whatever. When you go to deltarescue.org, you can contribute. But more importantly, if you're a real animal lover and you care about the work that these guys do by giving them that no-kill sanctuary for life, you can support them by making them part of your estate and helping them make this an enduring mission for Leo and everyone else at Delta Rescue. Go to deltarescue.org, check out that estate planning guide, look at the video, see the work that you'd be supporting, download it and think about making that part of your estate going forward, deltarescue.org. The question that a lot of people ask, Ashley, is why do we need more debates? I get it. My 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 concern is institutional. It's precedent. If the party relinquishes control to the debates now, then going forward, I get it right now. In fact, I would argue to the Trump people, it's in their best interest. Look at the Iowa poll today. The longer, the more debates there are, the stronger Trump's support gets in states like Iowa and the worse the other candidates do. Trump should allow this to happen. It's great for him. They see the other candidates. It reaffirms their decision to support them. But more importantly, the second the RNC gets out of the business, one of the pledges that candidates had to make is that they wouldn't participate in non-sanctioned debates. What does that mean? It means that right now, exactly as Patrice said, CNN's going to have a debate. They're going to go after each other, but they don't have to. They get to decide the criteria too. They could say, we're only going to allow Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. 
DeSantis could have announced that he wants a debate between him and Trump. This is Katie bar the door. The media is now back in charge, Ashley. Yeah, but this is, again, to your point, it's unprecedented times. We're not in a normal situation. Like you right. have, you know, a former president running again, you have, and who's tens and tens of po uh, points ahead in the polls. I, you know, I, I'm kind of grateful the RNC is getting out of this because they need to focus on fundraising right now. And I think we know who the nominee is going to be. They need to be focused on the boots on the ground, getting out the vote, thinking about early vote, thinking about making sure we get people to register to mail vote. That starts in February. We are running out of time. We don't have time to play these games over the course of the next six months. It's game time. No more, no more talking, no more media, no more. And you know what? If DeSantis and Haley want to go kill themselves in CNN, have at it. Goodbye. They're not going to be the nominee anyway. But Doug, I, I look, I get Ashley makes some great points. The problem I have, as I said, is institutional. This now CNN next cycle, the cycle after that's going to say, great, we'll just host a debate whenever we want. We will put our interest ahead of Republican Party. The RNC, in my opinion, has a duty, a duty to guard its candidates from the liberal media and to, to ensure that these debates are not about them. They're not about ratings. They're not about Jake Tapper or Wolf Blitzer getting more followers or clips. They are about ensuring that grassroots voters get the best information that they can about what the, uh, the choices that they face as to who to vote for. That's the job to make sure that our voters know who they can vote for and what they stand for, not to appease CNN. And right now the party is out of that, it has no role. Yeah, I mean, but uh, here's the other thing. I said, where has the party been in the last two debates with well, the NBC debate and the News Nation debate, especially the NBC debate? I mean, Sean, I understand what you're saying, but you just said their job was to, you know, protect our candidates, get their message out there. Um, and going, I don't think that it was served by having, you know, if you're taking that criteria, I don't think the NBC debate met that criteria. Oh, I'm look, look sure I, have, I have problems with the host. I, as I've said from the get-go of this thing, at this stage, it should have been the Daily Wire, the Blaze, the First. I mean, there was plenty of media organizations that were fully capable of doing this. Handing it off to NBC News was a disgrace. I get that. I'm with you on that. But that doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. But again, I don't disagree with you. I mean, Sean, I understand what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. The institution, but when the institution is not functioning it seemingly properly, then you, you know I, it happens this way. And I think they finally, I think the chairman Ron McDaniel and others just got tired of it. They just threw their hands up and said, you know, we're we're getting criticized because of what we're doing. We're not going to do this anymore. But I here's the problem. We had the other day. Chris Christie in that final debate actually said something that was probably the best thing Chris Christie said. And I say this uh, with just watching it. He said. The other three up here do not seem to realize that they're debate that they're not debating each other to get the nomination. And I think that was probably the most poignant statement in the whole debate cycle. So, I mean, whether CNN's running it or not, uh, you know, RNC's running it, I get the institutional, which I think should be there. Four was probably way too much, especially after you saw what happened in the first two. Um, but here's the question going forward is the candidates themselves have a way to actually do this. But you look at what's happening. We've already seen it split off. We already had a Ron DeSantis, uh, um, Gavin Newsom debate, which you know I still don't understand how you know they pulled that off without it being a an in-kind contribution, you know, anything else. So, I mean, it's just like, it, it's already seemingly there. Okay, so Patrice, I mean, just go around the horn real quick. Tell me, is it... Is it worth having further debate? I mean, the media organizations are going to do it. You mentioned CNN. ABC is going to do one as well two days or three days after the CNN one in New Hampshire. They're literally going to be back to back in New Hampshire. And this is the problem that I was trying to address that I was talking about is that once these guys uh, leave it up to the media, 
That's what's going to happen. It's going to be debate after debate. They're going to decide the criteria. They went from 6% threshold to get into the debate last time in polling to now 10%. Mm-hmm. Patrice, wh- what is the answer? Is it just get out of the debates, let the media have it, have at it? Uh, the candidates should, should should themselves say, no, I'm not going to show up. If all but they're the not. It's, let's say you get a million views on any night. If I mean, how many people no, turn down free the, media? The, can, the campaigns themselves have to unite and say, you know what? We are done with this. Let's let the voters decide and not show up to these debates. And you know what? Then ABC and the, and the future uh, uh, news outlets, they will cancel their debates, realizing they have nobody to put on that stage. But, but I, And I get that. But are you going to tell me? Ashley, that Chris Christie's going to say no to being on ABC News because I mean he was a contributor there to begin with. He's dying for media attention. I think him and Vivek Ramaswamy, with all due respect, I mean, like they, they have to go everywhere right now. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is like, where's the left debating? You know, I think we've kind of just like yeah. lost control of this whole narrative, right? Like there's no you know, reciprocity from the left or even from these moderate, it's all about what are the Republicans going to do? What are the Republicans going to do? How about let's start throwing it back on them and start demanding that they do some debates with Joe Biden. I'd like to see him put together a sentence for once. Yeah. Doug, a new polling came out this morning in Iowa, which is mind boggling. It goes to this point about the effect that debates have had, right? So everyone kept talking about, is the race over? The new Des Moines Register poll right now shows Trump with a 51% lead. It's the most that he's that anyone's ever had in the history of this poll. He went up eight points since they did it last month. Ron DeSantis is at 19. He's up three points. Nikki Haley's at 16. That's even for where she was last month. And Vivek Ramaswamy went from four to five. Do you, in your opinion, is this race over? Yeah, it's pretty much over. I mean, the, the, I, now you'd asked me three months ago, and you and I actually, I think, talked about this. I said, well, maybe there's going to be some movement. We're now within 40, 30 days of this caucus. These numbers are hardening. The the concern I would have from a Trump perspective, the Trump campaign perspective, is making sure that everybody in Iowa understands they still have to show up for the caucus. Yes. This has been always the big thing in the caucuses out there because that's how you've seen a Huckabee win, a Cruz win. Their diehards will show up in the rain, the snow, the sleet, and everything else. And that's the, the uniqueness of a caucus, which I'm not a fan of. Of, but you know that's the way Iowa chooses to do it. Um, so I think that's the concern for the Trump, you know, folks in this campaign. But as far as the the the, the movement in any of these campaigns, they're just not any there. I want one last thing on this de- debate yeah. issue. You made the question the question of you know we had a we called it down to six percent of the polls. Since when did the RNC get to decide who gets on the stage? All right, guys. Most of us know what it's like to be without power. Sometimes for an hour, maybe a day, a couple days after a natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, they're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICER, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's fourpatriots.com, includes that Patriot power generator. You'll get a uh, that guarantee for a year, free shipping if it's over 97 bucks, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans, right? That's great. So go to fourpatriots.com, use code SPICER, for Patriots.com, you do not want to be without power in case something happens. 
So when I did it in 2015, we left, we didn't leave the polling organization. Yeah. But the question is, one of the things that people don't always appreciate is as of the, I think I checked this like a month ago, there are 24 candidates registered for president in New Hampshire. Okay. 24. So the question becomes, and I think in 2015, it was a lot higher. It was like 18, 80, 80 candidates that had made the ballot in New Hampshire. So right. here's my question. And I get there's no perfect answer. But if it's not 2% or 5% or 6% or some, you know, amount of donors, what is the threshold? Because everybody whined in 2015 and said, oh my God, there was a kiddie table. And I would say to them, okay, so who gets cut off? Well, everybody else gets cut off the table. And I'd say, great. Who are those people? Should it be Asa Hutchins? I mean, uh, uh, you know, Mike Huckabee? Should it be Rick Santorum? Rick Santorum won Iowa. Why should he get kicked off? Well, what about, you know, you should be on the stage if you've been elected. Okay, well, Donald Trump was never elected. What about the guy who ran, who was a former mayor? Uh, where, so where's the cutoff? That's what I would ask you yeah. in return. As a former, as a former elected official, what yeah. is the, what is the best way to determine who gets on a debate stage? Well, Sean, you just described the whole problem of the debates to start with. Number one, they're not, number one, they're not debates. Number two, they're just simply canned answers given to questions that we roughly know what's going to happen. So this is why I don't think you see a lot of movement, especially in these debates, because it's simply, I mean, you can't tell me that Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, and even Ron DeSantis didn't practice half of their lines going into this, waiting for that one moment. I mean, and that's what it is. That's what it's for. But look, I mean, you, they, there's ways to do it and look at it from maybe a half of a 1% threshold. Are you registering in the polls? Are you doing, there's ways to look at the legitimacy of campaigns, you know, from fundraising. Cause I think fundraising is probably, frankly, fundraising Donald Trump didn't raise money. Indicator. Trump sold hats. And Asa yeah. Hutchinson so is, is giving my people money for them to be able to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's why I'm saying I, I get the, I get it's easy to throw stones at this. And I, I, I do agree with you. How much movement does it have? But I do think that there's a there's a point to it because if you continue to winnow it a little, look, like I said the other day, I think Doug Burgum, the, the governor out there in North Dakota, is a great guy. He's been a champion of conservative values. He's been a phenomenal businessman. But at the end of the day, if you can't get five or six percent in any poll, state, national, and you don't have a ton of donors, tell me how you're going to win the presidency because it just can't happen. And, and as cynical as that may sound, at some point you have to have some degree of support a month out from Iowa to show that you actually have a viable path forward to collecting delegates and becoming the nominee, never mind winning a general election. But Patrice, I want to pick up on a point that Doug said that was interesting. Um, he talked about canned answers. Hmm. And I had this, this conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy on Thursday morning. And I said, you know, how much of that was practice? And he said, none of it. It's all out of the thing. Well, my team and I did this walkthrough of the debate hall the next morning. And we're going through as they're breaking down everything. And the candidates were told they couldn't bring props, okay? But they were allowed to have a notepad and a pen. And Ramaswamy's team insisted with debate uh, organizers mm -hmm. that he have a Sharpie. And they said, okay, like a ballpoint Sharpie, like, I, you know, one of those. Uh. They said, no, no, it's got to be one of the thick Sharpies. And sure enough, we all saw that moment where he mm -hmm. held up the sign, Nikki equals corrupt. And it started to make me wonder, how rehearsed was that?
Oh, it was 100% <laughs> rehearsed. Um, I mean, we, even before he held up that sign, he was hinting at that at that kind of idea about Nikki Haley hitting her, you know, her connections to um, to to biz, for contractors and, and other businesses. So it absolutely was that moment he wanted. And he wanted to have a meme that people will in the future use as a kind of a whiteboard where you put your own statement on it in the future. But I think generally all of those different um, candidates, going back to the first debate, had a lot of canned answers. I love Tim Scott, for example. But his American dream story, it was rehearsed. It felt rehearsed and came across as rehearsed at times. Or the, the Vivek Ramaswamy talking about Nikki Heels being Dick Cheney and five inch heels. I mean, those are the types of things that, you know, it, it, it sticks in your mind. But certainly it's meant to stick in your mind because it's the messaging point that the campaign wanted to get across. And, and I think uh, to the congressman's point, that actually is not a debate. That is more just like political theater on TV and performative rather than actually substantive and getting to the, the nuances between the, the the different candidates. Yeah, actually, I want to stick with Ramaswamy for just one second. There's a whole story that came out over the weekend about him trying to making overtures to the Libertarian Party. Um, he's claiming that he's trying to get them to come and vote for him. There's some question about whether that might mean that he actually seeks their party nomination if he falls short. If he doesn't do well in Iowa, and like I said, that current poll shows him at four or five percent, uh, the Des Moines Register poll that came out today. Is he done if he doesn't do well? And I get it. He's got a ton of money. But I mean, for all intents and purposes, is he done in Iowa if he gets four or five percent? I don't think he's done. I mean, they're all going to stick in it as long as they possibly can. He's actually really interesting. I think, yes, they're all performing on the debate stage, kind of going back to that point really quickly. He came and spoke at America First Works and he had like a gazillion whiteboards and he was I think it's his style. Um, but he's also probably one of the smarter and like quick on your feet candidates of all of the people that are up there. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if some of those comments are in some of his rhetoric isn't natural for him because that's just kind of his personality when you get to know him. I don't think it's I think actually it's over for all of them moving forward after Iowa. It's just a matter of how long they decide they want to play. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I He's got the money. And I'll tell you, when, whenever that guy does something online, people at the grassroots level, uh, at, the, at the movement level, love the guy. I mean, I watch the comments that he makes, uh, the pickup that he gets on Twitter and on, on, on Truth Social. It's amazing. He's got, he, he connects with people, to your point, in a, in a very different way. And he is absolutely brilliant. You talk to him and he can just go from subject to subject to subject to subject. Mm -hmm. And he's not fearful. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's the interesting thing about him. He really does have that sort of that Trump flair to him. But Doug, I want to move on a second because there's other big hey, wait, news of the weekend. Sean, Sean, yeah, just like, can we, let me just hear there. I've watched Ronald Swamp too. I love the way he presents himself, but his campaign has been all digital. So if they wasn't getting any traction digital, he was over to start with. But my question is, and you just said it. He runs from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing without ever seemingly thinking about what he said before. The problem that a lot of people, including the ones now online and looking at other places, are looking at him and saying, wait, you said this three days ago. Yeah. Now you're saying this. Now you're saying something else here. Now you're saying something here. Having an absolute unhinged knowledge, it looks like sometimes, of the, the differences in domestic and foreign policy. Not to say there's not good ideas in the mix there. But it's, it's, I think that's what people are having a really hard time following him and saying, okay, what is it you truly believe? Because we've seen about seven different, uh, versions of almost every different issue in the last 10 months. No, and I think that's, I asked him about that with, with his Ukraine stance um, and, and yeah. Israel and Taiwan the other day, because it seems like sometimes there's a, 
uh, a contradiction. Uh, I mean, he does a great job of explaining it all and saying that there's not, <laughs> but, but it's interesting because I, I do feel like sometimes he's not going deep enough and, uh, he's moving from issue to issue so that people can't necessarily dig a little deeper. He says the right soundbite. Um, he's looking for the clicks. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, look, and it'll be interesting because I've talked to people in Iowa, they give Trump and DeSantis a lot of credit for their ground game. But the thing they'll say is, God, Ramaswamy is everywhere. Now, that's different. Showing up to an event and having a great ground game that will get people to the caucus, as you mentioned earlier, is a big difference. So we'll see if that translates. But I want to move to your old your old workplace. Um, there's a lot of scuttle that they're going to move to this vote on impeachment. At the same time, so let's start with that, and then I want to get into Hunter Biden. But let's start with the overall nut of this impeachment inquiry. They got rid of Santos last week. They got the majority down to three. McCarthy's leaving by the end of the year. That'll get him down to two. Bill Johnson from Ohio is going to leave to go be the president of Youngstown State University in February. That gets him down to one. So if they're going to vote for an impeachment inquiry, and remember, that just gets the ball rolling, um, they better get it going quick while they at least have a couple things. Ken Buck from Colorado has said that he's probably going to be against the motion. That doesn't give a lot of, of cushion. So let's just start off. Is it a good idea that they're pursuing this? And B, will it pass? Doug? Number one, yes, is if you're going to do this, do it right. I've said this from day one because what Kevin McCarthy did was not an impeachment inquiry. I don't care how many times he says it because it was an impeachment inquiry when Nancy Pelosi said it in 2019 and I had to fight against a sham impeachment. You, you got to go by what the, the rules of the House say. You can't just break them simply because you want to. So just stop yes, for a second. Hold on. Stop for a second. And explain why that matters, because there's some meat behind that, right? Yes, there's very much meat behind it. Well, one, just saying it is nothing more than what they're already doing. Committee hearings, having committee hearings. Once you enter into the impeachment resolution and you lay out now how it goes forward with evidence, how you look forward, the courts, not the Congress, the courts now actually look at the Congress as entering into a quasi court mode. And I know this. I'm not. I'm trying to be very open here, but what they look at it then is the Congress. Congress is now taking on a, an investigative court type role, which opens up to them uh, proceedings from other courts. It opens up for them for uh, getting information out of the executive branch, out of the judicial branch and others that they want, normally would not have access to. If you remember, Jerry Nadler always uh, was uh, very frustrated. He couldn't get um, the grand jury testimonies, things like that. Actual impeachment inquiries open that up. And so, yes, and I appreciate you saying that because people don't, may not understand. It opens it up into a more formal process in which there is a laid out procedure that actually gives Congress more power to do this in, uh, investigation. So that's what they need to do uh, going forward. Remember, also, with Santos gone, with McCarthy going at the first year, and let's just go ahead into February with Bill Johnson gone, it also means that the 2-8 number, 18 number, now will slide down to probably 216, 250. As long as they don't go past 213, um, that is the magic number for Democrats, because Democrats have 213 seats. So there's still some play there. The problem is, is we've got a majority that, frankly, at times doesn't act like a majority. They act in separate ways in which they become a minority by their own choosing. And I right. think if you look at that, that's the rules, votes, that others. So until we get off the idea that it has to be 100% of everything I want, then we're the Speaker Johnson is going to have the continual issues that we've got. You're going to see that come up this week in the National Defense Authorization Act, which, again, I think probably may have could have been negotiated a little better, but they're going to have to put it on the floor in the House as a suspension, which means they don't have any rule, vote, where you could be taken now and they'll get two thirds at 290, which means they take all the Democrats and about a hundred Republicans and it passes. 
I mean, that's it. Four days to go, and then they they leave town. All right, guys, are you tired like I am of testosterone booster products that just don't work? Um, that's why I've got a great idea for you. If you try our sponsor, Nugenics Total Tea, you will get a sample. You get to try before you buy. That's the beautiful thing about Nugenics Total Tea is you get a complimentary sample when you text 231231 and the keyword Spicer, 231231 keyword Spicer. Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster has Testafin, right? That will help you turn back the clock to help you bring out that younger you. Uh, but don't take our word for it. That's the beauty of like what I'm saying. Text 231231 keyword Spicer. You get a complimentary bottle and you get to try before you buy. Uh, you've got nothing to lose. All, everything to gain. Uh, and you can now go do this and get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. When you text the word plus, you get Nugenics Thermo X. That is their best, newest, most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose stubborn fat and get lean fast, especially around the holidays when we're maybe putting on a little extra because we're out a little more. Nugenics Total Tea can help you if you add that in. Plus, you get that bottle of Nugenics Thermo X. Such a great word right now, 231231, keyword Spicer. Remember that texting enrolls you into recurring automated text, consent not required to purchase, message and data rates apply. Number one, doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey by IQVIA 2022. Patrice, this is the interesting thing. There were these fence sitters, if you call it, Republicans who were in swing districts, districts that Biden carried, who were a little concerned about taking a vote on an impeachment inquiry. I listened to a few of them over the weekend, and it's interesting because this Hunter Biden indictment uh, has really helped them come over to the side of voting for an impeachment inquiry moving forward because their view is Joe Biden lied. Joe Biden covered up. Joe Biden wasn't straight when he said uh, that he had no knowledge of his son's businesses when he said that he's done nothing wrong. And they're using that line of rationale as a reason to now vote for moving forward on an impeachment inquiry. Oh, that's interesting. And I think it's an important um, movement among those those fence sitters. Uh, I, I think a lot of obviously Democrats are looking for the check with Joe Biden's name written on it. Um, and, you know, whether that whether we would ever see that is another story. But for the conservatives who held their powder so far and, and kept their powder dry on this, I think they've been looking for something that's a little bit more substantive. And so if they do see this Hunter Biden indictment in California as that meat that they're looking for, then maybe then in having an, an impeachment inquiry vote, we would see that that progress. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful for it because I do think that there is more to come, more evidence that the American people need to see. I, I think a lot of us have already been convinced that uh, the president's son was peddling influence with his dad and that President Biden as Vice President Biden very much was involved in these shenanigans. And but there are a lot of independents who still may be swayed. Well, maybe this will, uh, there, there would be more to come out of this that would sway those people's decisions, especially if President Biden is at the top of the ticket next year. But that's still even a question within itself. Actually, Hayek, the thing that I thought was funny is Hunter's lawyer came out and said he's only being charged because his last name is Biden. <laughs> okay, that might be true, but but you don't get million dollar contracts for doing nothing with no experience if your name is invited. So it's sort of like 
you got yourself into this because you're a Biden and now you're facing the consequences of it because you're a Biden. Also, you probably wouldn't have gotten the sweetheart deal in the first place that you turned down if your name wasn't Biden. But these are serious. I mean, he didn't pay $1.4 million in taxes. That's a, I think the Democrats are generally opposed to the rich not paying their taxes. Well, and his art projects. I mean, I wish I could color on a piece of paper and sell it for the amount of money that he sold it for or use it to pay off my You just my need to apply yourself custody. more. Clearly, you just need to try I'm harder, way actually. behind here, way behind. Um, but, you know, it's so interesting to me that the these Republicans in the Biden plus whatever seats are nervous, because if you look at Joe Biden's polling right now, it's not doing very well. So I, I kind of imagine that some of those constituents would be grateful that they would give way to the opportunity for um, new leadership in the White House, regardless if you're a Republican or Democrat, because this is the worst president in history um, with a very corrupt son who is leaving his crack maybe in the White House. I don't know. Um, and just behaving completely abhorrently, and then also using um, the American people, our country, his his dad, uh, to make deals and get rich. Like it's everything that we, the people, regardless of your political party, completely despise. And yet here is this kid running all over the place, all around the world, um, making money and pocketing it. It's insane, and the evidence is there. I think from my where I'm sitting and. I'm not, you know, I was not as intimately involved, obviously, as uh, Congressman was in all of the previous impeachment hearings and everything else. But I've seen enough. It's time to move forward and do it quickly before we lose the opportunity. You know, Doug, uh, last week, and just bear with me as I make the connection, Jamal Bowman was censured, the congressman from New York, by the House for pulling that fire alarm. He pled guilty to a misdemeanor in D.C. court. And yet when it came down to getting his censure, the Democrats rallied around him, not just physically, which they did on the House floor. Then they issued statements about how this was attacking a man of color. All of this stuff. I mean, they, he literally pled guilty. There is no ambiguity in the charge or his, his him taking, you know, uh, accepting guilt for it. And yet the Democrats answer was we're going to rally around this guy and we're going to make him a hero and a martyr for what he did. Right. I mean, and, and like I said, no question that he actually committed the crime. He pled guilty to it. He's taking the, 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 whatever the fine is. But here's why I say that. Is there a concern in your mind that we go after Biden, we impeach him for all of these nefarious things, we connect the dots, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the Democrats try to get everyone to rally around. This is the one thing. Right now, you talk to them about immigration. You talk to them about the economy. And Democrats are divided. They don't want, I mean, all these polls, Joe Biden's not our guy. We don't want him. Does this become potentially the catalyst that unites Democrats because they can't stand his border policies? They can't stand his economic policies. They watch him fall down all the time. Are we potentially making a political mistake by impeaching this guy? Uh, potentially. I mean, I'm not going to say you can't because this, I mean, we're at a 50-50-ish country right now in a lot of ways. And so, I mean, anything can sort of swing it uh, going back. The concern I have, and Ashley sort of touched on this then, is timing. I mean, we're here in December. Uh, I think that's the reason why it's actually indicted Hunter uh, last week was because it was getting close to the end of the year. He didn't want to do it in January. He'd been embarrassed already before. And if he did it in 2024, there would be cries from Democrats saying you're doing this during an election year, uh, literally during an election year. So I think you're, you're looking at this. The The other issue here is, is, you know, will they do it right or will they simply right. do two or three hearings and have no uh, rebuttal witnesses, which I think is necessary here. Um, because if you're going to make this, you know, if you're going to try and make the case to the American public and you just simply put up 
like they did in New York against Donald Trump. You just simply put up uh, with you know prosecution uh, kind of case and a grand jury. People are going to you know have doubts about that. They don't like Joe Biden. They're trying to find a way not to like Joe Biden even further. And you know, knowing that when this goes to the Senate, it dies automatically. I think it has to be done properly. Can it backfire? Yes, to a point, but I think the negatives on Joe Biden are also high enough that it, it simply reinforces if the Republicans in the House do it properly, um, it will get out. The, the media will have to cover this. This is not something they can ignore. They can spin it however they oh, want right. to spin it, but they will. They can't ignore it. So I think that's going to be the interesting issue. But then the other part goes back into is are we spending the time on the impeachment and we're sort of, I'll say, sloughing off the budget, the two CRs, right. the the defense authorization, these kind of things that we could actually show to the constituents. Say, hey, we cut a little bit here. We made a little gain here. We we worked on the DEI stuff. We worked on some other things. That's more my concern at this point uh, in the process. Patricia and Wilker, do you do you agree with that, or is there a concern for you? I think Doug brings up a great point. I mean, you know, as a former member, how many balls can you have in the air at once? Well, I'd like to think that they can do a, a few things. I mean, certainly we saw. <laughs> I know. I, I, maybe I'm optimistic. Uh, obviously, the hearings we saw with the the three elite university presidents was great, um, and the investigation that's now being launched into the, into a number of different. Uh, higher institutions of higher education around anti-Semitism on campus. I don't want detractions from that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I still think it's important that there is so much that could be learned and garnered from an, an impeach impeachment inquiry. So I, I understand the timeline. I understand all of the other uh, fine budgetary and, um, and other things that we're running up against. Certainly, I think mid-January is the next issue that we have to come up, uh, that Congress is going to be facing when it comes to a budget uh, perspective. But I think that there are enough people, enough staff to help get something done um, and done within enough time before at least Super Tuesday, before some of the bigger electoral days um, and, and, and give the American people information that I'm sure a lot of people wish they had had going into 2020. Because I, if I, my mind reminds me that um, some polling post-2020, people knew about even the laptop from hell uh, exactly. that they would, have, they would not have voted for President Biden. Uh, and okay. so and that could have been enough to change the election results. So that kind of information could make a difference. I agree. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I think back in 2016, we had the fake Russia hoax in 2020. You had all of the other, you know, the, the laptop and all of the other. I mean, it's amazing. I just kind of wonder what, what, what do we got in store for 2024? Mm -hmm. I, let me go around the horn real quick. I want two questions, yes or no. One, will the impeachment inquiry pass? And second, ultimately, will it lead to the impeachment of Joe Biden? Ashley Hayek, I'll start with you. No, and then as a result, no. Wow. Doug Collins. The inquiry will pass. Res uh, articles, different story, no in the Senate. Okay. But yes in the House. That was key. Yes to get it started. I'm okay. not, I, I'm, I'm still, but then he's, the so wait, just, just so we're clear, you're the, you're the lawyer, but like, if you get, if you get voted out of the House, you are impeached. You are okay, removed wait, wait, from wait, office wait, wait, from the Senate. Yeah, we're talking two different things here. Starting the impeachment inquiry is only the start of right. the inquiry. Then you have to bring forth from the right. committee articles of impeachment. I'm not sure. It's too early to tell if you could get the votes for article mm -hmm. impeachment. Right okay, Patrice. And, and no, okay. it will never take place. In, no, it, it won't go past the Senate. Senate. Right, right, right. Patrice on Wilco. So I'll say yes on, on uh, to articles of impeachment, yes on the actual inquiry as well, and then no on him being on the, yeah. everything, the, the eventual third one. I think that's right. Um, <laughs> Ashley, I, I, Patrice brought up the 
three college presidents. I want to touch on this because you you had these three college presidents. They're supposed to be really smart people because they they had elite colleges and they couldn't answer a basic question. Elise Stefanik did not set them up. It, which the congresswoman from New York. I mean, she gave them literally a softball. Is genocide is calling for the genocide of the Jewish people a hate crime under your code? And it was all. It depends on the context. And remember, if you were conservative, if you were black uh, or any, then there's this wouldn't. I mean, conservatives are banned. Anybody of any other minority they would have protected. It was not a tough question to answer. And that's what I thought was so amazing about this. And and yet they all muddled the answer. The president of UPenn has resigned. If you're listening to the audio version, I'm putting quotes around this because she, quote, involuntarily resigned, but stays as a tenured member of the law school faculty, which I'm sure continues to pay like 200 grand. So this is not like a tough thing. But where do you see this going? Is do, do Harvard and MIT's president face the same thing? Because Harvard's faculty, 500 staff and faculty put out a letter of support for her. Yeah, I think this just goes to show you how out of touch the um, higher ed elitist mindset is and where they stand versus the American people. You know, I think they're probably surprised and think they are surprised that so many people are so upset at on, about what's taking place on college campuses. And then what I thought was particularly interesting was this weekend, Saturday Night Live did a skit, you know, making fun of Elise Stefanik. And I'm like, how out of touch are you? But this just goes to show like how, uh, I keep using the word elites, but like that, I mean, that's what I wrote about. And that's just shows the difference between you have the overeducated higher ed folks, you have the um, big media and the Hollywood crowd, and they just have no concept of how offensive. I never thought I would live to see what we're seeing right now. It makes me think twice about wanting to send my kids off to, you know, some of these institutions. Oh, yeah. But they are so completely out of touch with how people feel, how their own constituents are feeling. So, I mean, the whole thing is rather mind-blowing. And quite frankly, I think Harvard is hoping that maybe, okay, maybe these other institutions will take the brunt of it and we can kind of fly under the radar. But un unless they're um, donors continue to, you know, raise hell about it. I, I don't think that they'll do anything because they don't Doug think Collins, they're wrong. When, when, Doug Collins, when you were a member of Congress getting ready for a hearing and you were preparing your questions, what mm -hmm. would, what would be sort of the, the mindset? Were you trying to get a simple answer to a simple thing or sometimes trying to break down complex answers? Uh, or did you think you always knew the answer you're going to get? Like, how did you prepare for a hearing like that? Yeah, it depends. Uh, really, if you sort of, if you're looking for an answer and you're wanting them to go on record saying, yes, we, this would be against the code of conduct, which, you know, if you're paying a high price law firm $1,500 an hour, you think that they would actually figure that out. Um, that would be a simple one. I would, you know, I think actually some of us, we could, Patricia, we could probably done it. Hey, I'll do three fifty now. I'll charge 30 minutes and say, <laughs> yes, you know, this is not hard. Um, but then you also look for what I found was, and I always approach questioning, except when I was ranking member, which you had to do a little bit different because we were setting the stage for many of the other questions. Come. Right. But especially when I was a, a member on the committee down the dais, I would do more as a deposition. I would always just sit there and listen to their answers. And then I would bring back, if it's something tripped in my, you know, I was listening to what they said, I would bring that question back up. And I'd say, right. earlier you said X, is this what you meant? Or would you like to rephrase how you said it? I found that to be some of the best because a lot yeah. of them are prepared for the original question. But not they the follow-up. Yeah. But they're not the follow-up. Patrice, exactly. let me ask you a quick question. And then I just, because I want to move on to one last thing. Patrice, the President Biden has remained silent on this whole topic. Hmm. He's speaking in Pennsylvania today in Philadelphia, and then he's going to a Hanukkah reception tonight at the White House. Do you think he addresses this? 
No, he won't. Okay. Um, this yeah. is an Achilles heel. The, the left, uh, the young people, the young voters on the left, they are radical and rabid and unfortunately very anti-Semitic, and he wants to hold on to their votes. So he's, he's going to dance around the issue around what's going on on college campuses. And we haven't, I don't even think we've heard from um, the, the Secretary of Education, who should also- ah, word, Good point. Title IX, worry about actual safety for students, uh, for Jewish students on campus. So, so you know what? We, yeah. I'm glad the donor class is standing up. And 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 man, uh, those who make million dollar gifts represent over 50% of most of these elite colleges' budgets. But you also need the young, the the lower donors at the lower end to stand up and alumni to stand up and be vociferous against what's going on. All right. Last thing I want to touch on, Ashley, real quick, and I only have a minute. George Santos left Congress last week after he was expelled. He jumped on Cameo at 75 bucks a pop. That's a, an app where you can get somebody to send you a video message. He quickly raised the price to 500 grand. He said on Sunday, at 140 requests, making over $85,000. The number now looks like it's cleared $200,000 that he's made. Do you think this is a long-term viable financial strategy for Santos, or is this just sort of his five minutes of fame? This is his five minutes of fame, but it's kind of cracking me up. And I also read something about dancing with the stars. He's not know, qualified like... to do that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could teach him a few things. You, maybe yeah. you can charge Santos for some dancing lessons, Sean. Yeah. I, I don't mind the cameo thing, but you know what? He He's not qualified. He's got it. Wait a second. <laughs> anyway, what a great place to leave it. Uh, Patrice Onwuku, Ashley Hayek, Doug Collins, thank you guys for kicking off Monday in such a great way. I appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us. We've got a great show coming your way tomorrow. So much to break down. Congress is down to four days left in Washington to get a lot done. You heard about the National Defense Authorization Bill, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, the impeachment inquiry, so much to break down. We'll be right back here tomorrow. Thanks for subscribing. Remember to hit that notification button as well. We'll see you back here on the Sean Spicer Show tomorrow.